The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Cherry's World. Hey, everybody, it's your girl, Char Jackson, and you're listening to Cherry's World. This is Orlando Brown, and you're listening to Cherry's World. Hey, this is Sean Harrison, and I am listening to Cherry's World. What's up, guys? It's your girl, Julissa Lynn, and you are listening to Cherry's World. Hey, I am D.L. Hughley. I'm going on Cherry's World. You never know how that's going to work either. If you've never listened to Cherry's World podcast, this episode is for you. Courtney has pulled some of the best of our conversations, funniest moments, and some never heard footage before. Stay tuned. Thank you. Can you tell me? Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about some real things that are going on in life. I'm sorry, Uh-oh. I had hit TV shows because you know people want to know that. But like, I just looked on and I saw TMZ. R. Kelly okay. just got arrested or is getting yeah. arrested for child pornography and sex trafficking. He's done. Yeah. What you think about R. Kelly, homie? Well, I think that it's overdue, to be perfectly honest. Um, I, I think that it is, I, I just don't know how you frame it other than it's sad, it's disgusting, it's disappointing, it's frustrating that it took this amount of energy and effort, this amount of abuse, amount of abuse, Mm-hmm. Uh, for the beginnings, because it's just the beginnings of what justice may be for him, because he still has to go through the proceedings. And you think about the lives that he's ruined, the, the girls' lives, the parents' lives. Um, then the flip side of that, some of the whispers, and I'm not victim-blaming, so please, if anybody hears this, don't think that I'm, I'm framing this. I'm just trying to be real about it. But when you hear these types of stories about how certain families may have been okay Mm-hmm. at the beginning of the abuse because it was either yep. giving their child access to something that they didn't think that the child would get on their own or maybe they were getting something for themselves. It's just a really, it's a complex situation. It, it unfortunately speaks to how abuse is passed down from generation to generation, person to person. And I think that the black community, just just make this a little broader. I think that the black community has some of the black community. Okay, let me be more specific. Some of the black community have protected him for too long. I remember, yes. I don't know, was it early this year or late last year where um, he got arrested for something, and there were women that showed up to his birthday party talking about like kidnap me, rape me, 
that's the kind of stuff that makes you wonder what, how were you raised? Do you not realize like this is not playtime? This is like real life that this man may be running sex harems. He may have sex slaves and these women's lives may be destroyed for uh, the rest of it or for uh, an extended period of time. So I, I don't understand why we've had such a complex issue with wanting to demand justice for the victims of R. Kelly for such a long time. So uh, that's my long ass take on that R. Kelly situation. I, I find it um, sad, despicable, despicable, disgusting, and just hope that they can expedite their way through the proceedings to hopefully hold him accountable for what we know by and large has transpired. See, this is why he's my intelligent friend. <laughs> what about Black Ariel, homie? Oh, uh, that's the kind of stuff where people's, I think what we would consider to be an overreaction to casting of something. Um, mm -hmm. I, I don't pay too much attention to. I, I'm at the age now where I think I have outrage fatigue. So I'm amused <laughs> when people turn things into something. Um, I don't care about these people claiming that's not my Ariel. At the end of the day, she been cast. She about to do that part and Disney about to make that money. So that's you can bitch and moan all you want. You can talk about how the character is supposed to be white. Well, not in this production, not in this presentation. So get over it. If you need a white Ariel, you got that cartoon. Watch it. Enjoy it. Live your life. Be happy. Can I follow up with that? Because, okay, yeah. what if they brought back Family Matters with an all-white cast? That's their prerogative. None of us own the rights to those characters, nor that situation comedy. So if that's what the original content creators wanted to do or Warner Brothers, all I could do is just say, okay, I hope it works for them. I would laugh. I, I think I would be, I would want to see who the actors were that portray all of us. Yeah, and if they too. were terrible, I would be ragging on them publicly. I'd be like, he's trash, she's trash. But no, I'm not going to be like, oh, they can't do that. Nah, what do I care? Wow. I agree. I think a white Maxine would be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and you know Waldo was supposed to be white. Really? Yes. Cher, you never pay attention to the origin story. Oh, my God. I know I've shared that. that story a couple of times. Yeah, again, you know why Terry doesn't know? Because she was always in her dressing room on the phone. On the phone. Okay, she was in the real world while some of us were working. Uh, she was in the real world. Like, hey, boo, what time we getting together? That's what she was doing. <laughs> yes, you should. And trying to get her ass home, but no, 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 no. You did. You left out this, Terry. Trying to get her ass home before curfew. <laughs> because her mama didn't play. We live in <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, I'm sorry. We had a moment there. It, my mama didn't play that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, why why do you what's your take on it? Because you're asking questions, Courtney. So we want I want to hear what your take on the situation is about the aerial uh casting and like you're using family matters as an example. Like, do you think that certain things are so sacred that other ethnic groups can't ever like do you have a do you feel some type of way about them rebooting one day at a time and making it i think it was a, it was a cuban-american family when they did it on netflix like is that a problem for you or is it is it the white black thing black white thing like what is it well i guess for the i guess the little mermaid is different for me but then like my buddy brought it to me he said what if they made a white baby's kids 
then I, that's when I okay. hit me like, mm, see? What would we call them, trailer park kids? But no, okay. what if they just really made up Bebe's kids, but it was all white, you know, it was Bebe's kids. And that's okay. When, so I think when you're talking about cartoons, I guess, I guess it's, um, I guess you can balance it out. I guess you, but I guess when it's real, I, I, there's no way in the world they can make a a, a, a white family matter. I just want to know, dude, is like Bebe, look, I'm still stuck on Bebe kids. Is Bebe like, uh, you know, that white girl that only messed with the black guys who got the black girl haircut and everything like that? No, 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 no. Because he said it needs to be white. So it's got to be a white woman, white kids. We can't have mixed kids. You got to have white kids. And then so a white date. Honey boo boo. Uh-huh. I guess. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's weird. I feel you. That's different. But again, I hear the point that you're making, but I, my, my question still remains the same. Is it a cultural thing? Is that where you're finding the issue between white and black? Or is it really, what I said before, are certain properties just so iconic to you that you feel like, hands off, do not touch that? But I guess for, with Ariel, how, do you, how, did, how did they just claim that she was white? That's my problem because the girls they picked, she got she got red hair. I mean, she looks pretty much like. I mean, I guess the perfect person to play would have been Rihanna, but other than that, I, I think they picked the per the, the girl they picked was fine. I I don't see like it seems like they just have a problem with the fact that they found out she was black. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that you're you're being too polite. The reason why they're outraged is that because she is black, and when you think about Disney princesses. Yeah. By and large, they have been white, and most content that's created, let's be truthful about this, is for a white audience. And so white people get to see themselves, whether in animated form, live action form, more so than any other ethnic group that watches TV or film. And um, if I'm not mistaken, because I, I didn't delve too much into this, um, getting information, this might be like the second time they've done live action and they've changed the ethnicity of one of the princesses. And so sadly, I think this feeds into the current times that we find ourselves in with the Trump uh, presidency where <laughs> racial, the racial divide has, I think, widened. Yep. And I think that people feel far more comfortable being uh open and honest about how they don't necessarily want other ethnic groups to have certain things that they have uh, yeah. is how I will frame it. And because of that, there's this sense of entitlement, which as you know, has nothing to do with entertainment. It just has to do with the way this uh, country has been formed. Yeah. And when they feel like they've been aggrieved, they're going to make noise about that particular thing and turn it into an issue. And they hope that all of that noise is going to lead to them getting what they want. I think that this is a no win fight for them. I think as the expression goes, you have to pick and choose your battles. I don't think that this is that one. What they should be doing is, as I said, if you aren't interested in watching a black Ariel, don't watch it. You have uh, the classic animated version. Watch that. Why, why do they have to cater to what your wants and desires are? There are other people that have supported a lot of these corporations and made them money too. other ethnic groups. Why not explore something different? Why not give, I guess, the content creators, the producers, 
the ability to explore and do something slightly different. Um, that's the way I view it. Yeah. All right. I you too, Court. You agree? Yeah, because it's not. I mean, it's not like they picked a boy to play Ariel. I mean, they picked a girl who looks similar to Ariel to the cartoon to me. So I, I don't see, like, I don't know. She's got a cute. But little... I think you're coming at this from a perspective of a black male, where you're just like, okay, but I if I see if I see similarities between this performer and the original character, then that's enough for me, and let me. Let me see the finished product and judge it before I right. prejudge and not allow them to do it. I don't think, again, there's something about race that matters to a lot of people. Yeah. And they don't want to give Disney the opportunity to show them that they can do an outstanding production with um, a black actress taking on the lead part. That's just the reality of the situation. Hey, I was going to ask Cherry this later on for the for the uh, for another part of the show. But since I got both of you guys, I want to ask you guys this because I'm old enough yeah. to remember when this was a when certain <clears throat> certain part of this lyric would be worse. Uh, Chris Brown took some heat earlier this week or last week for a lyric. He said, I only fuck with <clears throat> black bitches with good hair. Now, I'm old enough to okay. remember when the worst part of the line would be black bitches. But. The women, no. black women are upset about the good hair part. And that's the part okay. I don't understand. What you all think about? Ooh. Well, no, 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 no. You, you have to go into a little more depth here. Explain to us why you don't understand black women's reaction to that or you don't understand, like, what don't you understand? I, I, I need a greater perspective. I would think they would be more upset with the fact that he said black bitches. <laughs> but they're upset about uh, the good so, hair. So okay. billion dollar industry because right. black people care about hair. And one mm. thing I gotta just throw out there, Sean, I'm gonna let you go, but all hair is good hair. There is no good hair. And that's been a stigma in the black community forever because little girls have these, oh my God, insecurities because when mama combs your hair and she hits a tangle, she says, mm -hmm you got all these naps in your hair and it's almost as if they're blaming the kid because yeah their hair's tangles right sean what do you, what do you think well I, i'm still trying to understand why courtney doesn't understand doesn't do that it. concept like do you do you are, are you versed enough in how black hair has been used through um out the generations to um, have a hierarchy between more desirable women and less desirable women. And I think the same applies for men as well. But since we're talking about women in this uh, regard, do you, I mean, are you aware of that? Because that's the reason why I keep going back to why are you so focused on bitches and not the good hairs if you can't quite understand why anybody would be offended by that knock. Yeah, because I just remember Dion Warwick and, and others when Dr. Dre and all them came out, they were trying to ban Snoop and Luke and Dre and everybody for for saying, referring to women as black bitches. And now we're, we've gone past that point where we don't care about. Now, never mind the fact he called us black bitches. What about our hair? Okay, so for me, I'm one of those supposedly good hair bitches. And mm -hmm. they're growing up they used to say, oh, she got that grease and water hair. So there's a stigma like my hair's supposed to be better than another texture hair, which might be more coarse. Or I yeah. might think I'm better 
than the lady next to me who has what they call now like a 4C hair, which is a curl pattern. Um, but for me growing up, I never thought my hair was any better than anybody else's, but it's just what they had projected on to me. Supposedly, oh, right. they would ask my mom things like, what, is she half white? Was her daddy her daddy white? <laughs> as if I couldn't have the texture hair I have without being mixed with something. So it's pretty, it's offensive. Right. It's offensive to yeah. the girls who they think have better hair than whatever they call y'all girls though. He said black bitches specifically. Okay. Black Let's t- mute the bitches thing. I, I, I think that's really the reason why you're having <laughs> troubles with that. With trouble with that. Do women buy, do black women by and large, want to be referred to as bitches i think that you already know the answer to that that's a no are there some women who embrace that at this point in their lives and they're kind of okay with it in certain um settings yes we know that to be the truth however cherry speaking on something i think that's a bit broader as well as what i don't think you're giving um room for is the evolution of people's values there was a time where that kind of stuff really 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 mattered Nowadays, we're trying to reframe how black people, boys and girls in particular, think about hair, think about skin color, because there is no better complexion than the other. There is no better hair than the other. So, okay, and so what Cherry talked about, like the billion dollars that um, the hair care industry rakes in because of black women, when you think about there are black women have so many different types of styles that they employ. So you have women who have finer hair that, you know, do straighter styles. Um, you have women who uh, get extensions and weaves and they wear wigs. You have women that have natural hair and they wear the, their, their hair in different styles just based on uh, that natural care that they put into it. Because there is so much variety, I think, when it comes to black hair, that's another thing where people are kind of like, don't, you know, we have this thing like representation matters. I think it sort of applies to that. Apply that to this. Represent all aspects of black love because black love is embracing who we are in our uh, entirety. Right. And so that includes people with different types of texture of hair. So as Cherry said, buying into this Social construct, I hope you know what that is. That means that's something that's made up. It's not a reality. It's something someone taught to some, or said to someone else and then it got ingrained in them and then they told somebody else and then somebody else believed in it and told somebody else. We have, to find, we have to get away from some of these social constructs. So what Sherry said, there is no thing as good hair or bad hair. It's all hair and everyone's texture is different. That's all it is. And so for him to be running with that mantle, passing on those types of um, slights, uh, and put downs to black women, and I think is offensive, and it shows what a small-minded person he is, and he needs to evolve in his personal life so that hopefully his lyrical content can get better. And a shame on him, he has a daughter. Not only does he have a daughter, he has a black daughter. So he's just passing down the mental slavery that's been handed to us for generations, generations, generations. It's disgusting. As far as the word bitch, Courtney, um, there are certain people who you might meet in this world who do think I'm a bitch. And it's usually because I used my voice and stood up for myself. And then, you know, I'll own that. Yeah, I was a bitch to that person because they deserved me being a bitch to them. So 
I don't know. If, he likes I don't know if, a, if a white guy said, I only fuck with niggas with educations, I wouldn't be mad about the fact that I don't have an education. I'll be like, yo, he just said nigga. But That's education okay. is something that you can choose. Hair texture is not a choice. Hair texture mm-hmm. is DNA. Before I even get to that, I'm saying he, the man just said nigga. That's what I'm looking at. <laughs> yeah, uh, I would I, I would kick his ass for that too. I okay. I'd fight over nigga quicker than I would bitch. Okay. Depending yeah. upon what content you use it, but if you call me a bitch in my face, yeah, you still might get punched, depending right. upon who you are. Right. Unless it's one of my exes who I've truly been a bitch to, <laughs> then yeah, he might be able to say that because I was. But nine out of ten, he's gonna get so with your mama behind it. <laughs> How do you guys know each other? Actually, I was blessed beyond measure to meet this talented queen we have on the phone years back when I first first moved here, probably like nine years ago, because I moved here ten years ago, and I believe it was like a year after I moved here, I got casted to play her girlfriend really? on her podcast. So I got to kiss that little thing we're on the phone with. <laughs> oh, okay. Jalissa is she's gorgeous, obviously. Listen, in the most innocent acting way, but I, I did end up on media takeout for my first time as her girlfriend, so I'll forever remember it. And I think it was the funniest thing. Like I <laughs> the photos so- that and they did like a, a TMZ thing on her and they're like Kaylee, her family that is dating models, Jalissa, and they're like, I'm like, oh, how flattered. The t- the one time that I've ever been in the media for like dating anyone, because you know I've been discreet. It happens to be you know this beautiful icon, so I was right. honored. Seven <laughs> hundred. What, what a better introduction, right? Seven hundred and fifty thousand people clicked on the link within an hour. Literally, I pro- we could probably find the photos of us locking with sunset somewhere. <laughs> and let me tell you, it's been Jalissa Lynn, Ricky Romance, and somebody else who I won't even say their name <laughs> that I have been seeing with on blogs. And the only one that I will ever claim is Jalissa. <laughs> yeah, here. So, lucky me, lucky me. <laughs> Jalissa, so for all the yeah. people that want to experience kissing cherry johnson can you tell everybody what that was like for you oh you know it was just sweet and sensual and she's an absolutely beautiful person so (laughs) without the kiss i'm absolutely honored to meet her and she's such a great support and she's been nothing but but uplifting and loving to me the whole time that i've known her and it's very rare to find that consistency in the city and she's literally been like a shelter to me i and i feel like i could go to her for anything if i needed it so anything i'm great anytime. anytime i love jalissa jalissa's so sweet jalissa actually they woke her up you know her family's still on the east coast before i even knew that we had made the blogs <laughs> Jalissa yes. called me and Jalissa was like, oh my God. And I was like, I'm so sorry, Jalissa. Please tell your mom. I'm sorry. She said, my mom thinks it's great. Are you kidding? <laughs> and that was her my mom is so hilarious. She's like, she loves her. Oh my God. <laughs> I adore your mother. And you were like, oh my God, what are you going to tell my mom? So till this day, my mom always says, I don't know why you dated all those losers. You needed to date Jalissa. <laughs> right? Yeah. See, mama knows best. Yes. Plus, <laughs> my mother's name is Lynn. So she claims Jalissa ah. to be her own. And it. then 
my daughter's middle name is Lynn. So all the women I love are connected. Oh, I love that. <laughs> so sweet. So Jalissa, we're, we're going to let you go soon, but I have a question to ask you before you go. Yes. Social media. How the yes. hell do you have those many followers? I mean, I know you're sexy, but good Lord. Like, social media. You have taken over social media. Oh, my God. I love you. And I still feel like I'm trying so hard. So, well, you know, I'm, I'm about to give a little free game right here to, to those who, who want to grow their social media because, you know, I'm, I've never been about, you know, oh, you know, try my trial class and this, that, and the third. This is the strategy to it. Well, first off, I had 60,000 followers on Twitter before we switched over to Instagram, before Instagram existed, because I actually got big on Twitter before Instagram. And that came from me doing a lot of music videos and I was reposted by, you know, very substantial people in the industry that I was got to work with, you know, Snoop Dogg and Soldier Boy and, you know, Tyrese and uh, Three Six Mafia and Baby Bass and everybody was reposting, you know, the video and I was a part of like those videos. So my following grew a lot in the beginning from my music videos. Now, when I switched over to Instagram and I got up to, let's say, 60, I remember being at 68,000 followers. And I'm like, okay, what can I do to be different? Or what can I do to, like, grow my page now that I'm at this? Because I feel stuck. Like, I was stuck there for, like, a few months. Because, you know, I wasn't really posting that consistently. And I was kind of just like, oh, okay. I didn't really have, like, a strategy. So then I kind of just, like, fell into making a visual like aesthetic for my page like I like to post in rows like I post in threes because to my eyes it's pleasing you know what I mean I like it's more like for me it's like an online portfolio so you know I got my I got my concept down and then I'm like okay let me start responding to people because I never really engaged back with people and this is like so important to the point where I literally would spend hours like going down thanking every single person that commented on my photo, going and liking their top three photos, commenting on every single one of their photos. Like there's, if I see a photo, like I'm either liking it or commenting on it. Like there's nothing that passes my eye that I'm not doing because it's like at the end, even just on the explore page, wherever it is, it's like if I like it, I'm going to like it because that's going to bring one attention to my page and two, it also shows that my page is being active and it's consistently you know engaging the other major major thing that helps is doing shared posts you know there's a lot of other models and influencers that i work with or engage with that i'm you know have have a liking we have a similar brand so it's you know we'll do shout outs and share a lot of photos and that type of stuff and then obviously you know my music and my acting and i i got some really you know great roles in the last couple of years and I've gotten a lot of reposts from, you know, my photos or any gigs that I book. So it's really all about like staying consistent. I post around the same time every day, um, unless I don't post. Like if I don't post, then I'm still engaging. But it's so important to just keep your page active and to like engage back and share with other pages that are like yours. Like whether it's in a story or, you know, wherever, wherever it be that you think that, you know, on your page, if you want to post for an hour and like, you know, it, it's all about like, other pages seeing your page and in figuring out your strategy to it and just staying consistent because it's just like anything else. If you want to be strong and work out and you stop working out, you're going to be weak. 
If you want to go on a diet and you stop your diet, you might gain weight back. It's like, if you want to grow your following, you have to be consistent with the engaging and the posting and, the, and, and literally like to the point where like, I would spend two hours in the morning and two hours at night. Like, I'm not talking like 30 minutes, you're going on and you're like, it's dedication. Like I've spent hours and, and really engaging on my page when I get the time to. And there'll be some nights where I'm just like, like, oh my God, I have to thank all these people, but like I'm falling asleep and I'll like, I'll literally fall asleep, like thanking people and maybe finish it the next day, you know, the night after, because I want them to know that like, I'm seeing what they're writing and I actually appreciate every single one of them. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's really it. <laughs> that's that's a major. Lot, <laughs> that is major. And when you, when you get your music, Jalissa, can you send us something so that we can play it? Even if it's just yeah, a really, really soon. It's kind of, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, hoping, hoping to release it on June 24th, which will be my 10 year anniversary in Los Angeles. So it's big for me. Um, so that's what I'm pushing for is June 24th. So let's just put that out there. June 24th is when it's going to drop. So, Char, you were just going back to entertainment because that's what everybody wants to hear about. You were gone. Yes. Like a month or two ago, working on a project. Can you tell us about it? I can't yet. I can't. But I mean, that's the thing. Like you know, the industry, man. Like I, I kind of pulled back a little bit from being in the forefront all the time because I had my little splash in the media, which I wasn't really a fan of. So I pulled back a little bit from Hollywood to focus on some other stuff and build some other empires and stuff for my family, and not just leave them TV money. Um, but but I'm still acting, you know what I mean? I'm still acting, I'm still I'm uh, producing, I'm I'm directing now. So um, it's just, l luckily enough, we have the luxury because we've worked our butts off for, you know, almost 40-something years, almost 40 years. Damn, that's crazy to say. Um, but since we have done that, we have that luxury to kind of work when we want to work, you know, and explore these other things in life, so. But I'm still doing it. I'm still in Hollywood. Oh, I know. That's why I wanted to let other people know because everybody, you know, I get these people who write me all the time. And they're like, "Yeah, you has been," and I just laugh. I'm like, "Well, y'all was." <laughs> You're like, if anything, I just has been that shit. I'm doing something else now. So there I you have, go. I'm having my recess like y'all was having y'all recess when y'all was in school. So see, and that's the thing they don't understand. Chair, they don't they don't get it because we didn't have that break growing up. You know, we. We were working 14, 15 hours a day while everybody was going to school, going home, playing on their bikes and um, going to sleep. Like we, that wasn't our life. And so right. now we want to rest. We're a little tired. We want a nap. I love it because I always say, well, how can it, ain't never going to be calling me a husband. That can't offend me. So yeah, I, that that's the weirdest term to me. It's like you, you have been. Okay, well, you, yeah, I have been a lot of things, but what have you been? Right. I have been, but I'm still a bitch. Um, exactly. <laughs> on, on that bitch mode, cuz out. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about your relationship with social media? How do you feel about it? You know what? The social media thing to me is still so freaking bizarre, man. Like, I love the fact that I can communicate directly with, you know, uh people that support me and 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 things like that like that's awesome uh and i like sometimes that i can say what i need to say to the people that don't um it's just it's, <laughs> it's just still weird to me that people want to see me post pictures of what's going on in my life that's so bizarre to me 
Yeah. I feel like that. I'm not even a celebrity. Like, like they people tell me to get your Instagram. I just, I just have a hard time with social media. I do too. And and the weirdest thing is, unfortunately, it's a huge part of our industry now. Um, like I, I met with a, a casting director about a project and they were like, Oh, Shar, yeah, we love you for this thing. Uh, one question though, what's your social media numbers? Wow. And I was like, wait, what? I said, what? And apparently that's like a huge thing now. Everybody wants to know what your social media numbers are. So I was like, so you mean to tell me I don't have to be able to act at all anymore. I don't have to have any talent. I can just, I, as long as I got those numbers, you're going to put me in the project. That's crazy. Well, let me tell you how that kicks them in the butt. Being on the producer side, I've watched them do that, right? But then they get mm -hmm. usually a cute girl who can't act. She doesn't know how to hit her marks. She doesn't know how to find her life. She doesn't know her lines. Right. And so, so now everybody on set is irritated. <laughs> right. And mad, but but she got the numbers on social. But she got the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Shar, can I just say this, though? Like, your role as Nisi was just, like, very real to me. Because, like, I just remember one scene, in, like, in the dorm room with a guy. And I really thought you was getting ready to hit him. I don't know if you remember the scene I'm talking about. But it was, like, I guess he No, got... but I think I did hit a few people. Like, I, you know, because <laughs> I... Uh... <laughs> well, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pseudo-method. You know what I mean? So... Yeah, right. I become another person. So at that moment, <laughs> whatever he was saying to me, that was real. Yeah, you so played, he might have got smacked. He might have got smacked. I don't know. Yeah, you played the hell I don't out remember. Of I, really, I really enjoyed that growing up, man. That You played the hell out of that role. It's Thank so, you. It was a lot of fun. It's so funny that you brought up Nisi, right? Because Sean and I had this conversation a few years ago, and she said, yeah, because we both made a living off of being dumb. I said, oh, speak for yourself. Yeah. She said, yes, you were, baby. <laughs> you remember Dude. that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Why, or why if we portrayed to be dumb, like our characters, everybody thought our characters were stupid. Like everybody thought that. Like you didn't find out that Nisi was going to like a, a Ivy League school until the very last episode. I swear to God. The entire, the entire series, you thought she was a moron. <laughs> struggling in class, can't get anything done, saying the silliest stuff. But then at the end, it was like, oh, what are you talking about? I'm going to blah, blah, blah. And it was like an Ivy League school. It was hilarious. I'm so dumb. I didn't realize that Maxine was dumb until Char said, exactly. she said, exactly. Boo, you went to the movie theaters with a lawn chair. You remember that? Oh, come on. <laughs> the drive-in. Yeah. Not, not the drive-in, but the movie theater. That's okay. Come on. Oh, drive-in. <laughs> yeah, drive I was like, damn. Maybe I'm <laughs> <laughs> Nah, but y'all characters was more than that. I'm a fan, so y'all characters was more. I, this is the first time I ever heard someone say y'all was dumb. Like I, I, I think of Nisi as being like a like a roundaway girl, like 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 the best friend that would just like fight or you know just always had um, Moesha's back. That's what I remember. Well, that sounds like somebody we know, huh? Yeah. Well. I Damn. Oh, I like I like your description of her a lot better. <laughs> hey, hey, can I ask you this? Um, Lamont Bentley. Yes. Man, I, I, I still I still haven't got over that, and I know you knew him. Like, man. and so and so, if you haven't gotten over it, imagine how I feel. <laughs> man, that I'm over here. Brother. 
Down in this water, I had to take it a sip for the homies. Yeah, no, LB, that was that was my family from even before Moesha. You know, he and I did a show together called South Central, and uh, that's where our bond first began. And uh, that was that was my brother. That was, that was a hard hard thing. Damn, I forgot about that. As soon as you said, I rem oh man, I forgot about South Central. Mm-hmm. Damn. Look, now you just fucked yeah. up the whole vibe just less, Courtney. I didn't mean to, but, <laughs> but you know what? No, I but I love speaking about his memory, though. Like, you know, like, and if you asked me this a couple years ago, I probably still would have broke down and cried, but, like, today I'm in such a peaceful place that, I love to hear people remembering him because I don't want anybody to ever forget him or, or Yvette or, you know, Bernie Mac or, 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 or any of the people that we Merlin, any, anybody that we lost, you know, that became our family. So I don't mind talking about them as long as it, um, it keeps their, their legacy going and people remember all the hard work that they did and how amazing they were. Those are all my questions too. Uh, Merlin Santana and Bernie Mac. Those are all my questions I was gonna ask you about. I swear. Like, I mean, you can't talk about the fellas and leave out Yvette now. That was that was my that was my best friend on the planet. Really. And uh, you know that was a really really hard one. My cousin Cherry had to help me through that one a lot. That one hit me to my core. So. That one um, hit the kids too. You know, because the kids grew up on set. Sure. Yeah. Were yeah. yeah, the whole family was affected by, by all of those losses, man, especially Vet and, and, and LB. Damn. What was uh, it like working with Bernie Mac, though? <laughs> Uncle Bernie was crazy. <laughs> he was crazy. Uh, I loved him so dearly. Um, he was such an amazing person, such an awesome spirit, such a talented dude. And I remember when he came to Moesha, uh, he was a little nervous. He was like, man, you know, I'm, I don't know how I'm going to be treated here. And then we embraced him as family. And then uh, years later, once he started doing the Bernie Mac show, I actually came and did a guest star on that show. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he came up to me and just embraced me. It was just like, nah, baby girl. I mean, if you need a new home, this can be it. And I was just like, well, hey, how you doing? <laughs> wow. What a warm welcome. Wow. Yeah. No, awesome, awesome dude, man. Oh, awesome dude. You got to guest star on a lot of good shit, Cuzzo. Yeah, what? I think I, I definitely stopped by everything that was on UPN. As Nisi, as a matter of fact, I think Nisi literally jumped from like four shows just doing a guest spot. Just everybody was like, can we get Nisi this week? We don't want Char, but let me get, can we get Nisi? <laughs> so I definitely guest starred on like everything on UPN. But, but yeah, guest starring was my thing for a really, really, really long time, man. I, I think the majority of stuff that was on TV, I probably appeared in at least once. What was your favorite? Um, TV-wise or just period? Like my favorite all-time job. Oh, damn. Okay, favorite all-time. Okay, favorite all-time was probably Good Burger. Oh, shit. Uh, well, and what a, lot of, what a lot of people don't know is I actually interviewed with Char for the same part, and she got it. Really? <laughs> we, no, no, we did that a lot in our life. Like, it, it was always, like, we would show up or we'd call each other and be like, yeah, I got an audition tomorrow. Oh, yeah, where is it? Oh, well, I'll see you there. Like, it, that, that happened the majority of our life. But it was, I could have never, like, I know why she got the part, 
Come on, come to Good Burger. Come on, the Good Burger, man. Take your order. <laughs> any of those lines the way she did. She killed it. <laughs> it was so much fun. Like, I had so much fun working on that film that it was insane. We All we did was laugh and joke and be silly and get get work done and get a check. It was beautiful. Man, y'all don't know how this make me feel as a fan, because, like, this is my era. I don't know nothing about stuff that happened after 2003. So, like, all this stuff right here. <laughs> I ain't mad about, at you. <laughs> hey, this is my era. Like, I'm like a, this is this is just dope for me. Like, this, I love this right here. I can talk all day about this. I was saying, I think it was dope for us, too, because for me, going to the movies, first of all, to see the movie Good Burger was yeah. awesome, but I got to watch my cousin. Right. In the movie. Yeah, we're both like super, super fans of each other. It's insane. Oh, yeah. Like, I am her fan. Like, if she does something, I don't even watch TV. But I watch everything that she's ever done. So, what people don't know is, like, Orlando is my baby. I've known him since he was a child. Um, I reached out to him when everybody was asking me, why hadn't I talked to him? And is he okay? Orlando is fine. Orlando, well, let me not speak for you. You're a grown-ass man now. Baby, how you doing? I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just, um, I really, I really have enjoyed being a 31-year-old man and realizing, you know, what snakes were in my grasp. And um, I'm very close to, to God. And me personally, I'm just, um, I'm just happy that, you know, I'm not in any crazy position to have to panic or do anything um i do know that a lot of people were concerned because they seen um what was going on and you know uh it was my first time being extorted <laughs> and and uh and used um but you know uh, a lot of a lot of the uh the accusations and stuff like that, i i don't mind people having their own opinion i don't i'm not that kind of person but you know, um, at the end of the day, I, I'm, I'm perfectly fine. I'm busy working on the new album, uh, putting together the Orlando Brown show uh, still <laughs> and, and, you know, um, pushing forward with my life. You know, uh, it's about my kids now and, and making sure that, um, you know, everything, uh, everything is stable. You know, it's, 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 it co- you know, continues to be stable and keep stacking this dough. That's about it. So let's talk about your album. Um, I know that you write, you've always written your whole life. Are you going to talk about your life in the album? Yeah, well, that's exactly what it's, that's what it's all about. Um, I've always uh, put my life and based my music off my life, real, 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 um, real emotion, real, real situations, real, real, uh, experiences. And that's why, um, when I put the first album out, it, it, it really did. It was received well because it was the truth. Yeah. So um, yeah, you can definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It's like yes, that's exactly why I addressed a lot of what 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 people well a lot of the concerns in in the song, the new album. Um, well, the new single is called Knockout. Uh, I just uh, released the video yesterday. Link is in my bio. Orlando Brown Nine is my Instagram. And um, you know, like I said, we're just trying to push. I mean, there's a lot of things that are going to be said on this album that should have been said a long time ago, but. I'm glad I didn't say it a long time ago because I wasn't, I was too young. You know what I mean? Haywire, just saying whatever, because I knew it sounded good. But at the same time, you know, uh, I collectively put my thoughts together and, and uh, came up with something eclectic. 
It wasn't the time. So the Orlando Brown show, what is it about? Hmm. Well, it's about me. Well, it's a lot of teams that have, um, that, that are out here, you know what I'm saying? Like basically on their own, you know, when you get, you know, so basically I get money. My, my father dies. I inherited money. My mama's like, mama got to have a life too. So you can either stay here with me or you can go live your life. And I choose to go get my own apartment. So it's basically like a flip of, let's say, uh, you got like Jamie Foxx show, Martin Lawrence show, and, uh, mm, uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air all rolled up into one. So it's it's scripted. It won't be no crazy. Definitely a sitcom. Awesome. I'm so look. Get back, I, yeah, I want to get back to the original, like how you know what the what the real thing was. You feel me? Like we're the last of those of you. our generation that make people want to watch TV. You know what I mean? Thank you. Thank Absolutely. you. As a fan, thank you for that. Oh. So, um, you know, that that part. Um, can I get? I know we have company. And I know that there will be other people listening, but can we get a little bit personal for a minute? I want to talk about Dr. Phil. Of course. Okay, so Dr. Phil, as I told you, I was on Dr. Phil too. And what a lot of people don't realize is it's a TV show. So there are actors involved and things are edited. So some things are creative editing. Um, I personally did not want to watch it. When something happens with one of us on the show, people send it to you and they throw it down your throat. I started to mm-hmm. watch the show. I could not finish watching the show because I was pissed. Yeah. Because I know that the world, um, they don't understand that TV is TV and it's all for entertainment. For me, it was personal because it's your life. And I love right. it. So can you just tell us, I know some more. What people don't understand is he signed a contract to go on Dr. Phil. So I'm doing a lot of the talking. There's certain things that can be said and can't be said because there's a contract that's involved because it's a TV show. Right. What is your take on the final edit of the Dr. Phil show? Well, I was hurt only because I um, essentially went there to see if I can round up all of my baby mamas and, um, to, you know, connect with my children. Because um, I was on tour and doing a lot of stuff. So I was like, you know what, let me, you know, get, let me get, get, get this right, get this together. And uh, it just turned into an ambush. You know, um, I wasn't in, I was in my dressing room, so I didn't see what they were saying, you know, to introduce me and everything of that nature. Um, and when I got out there, they just made it look like, you know, like what they made it look like, you know, so I, I was hurt. That was my reaction. I was hurt. And, uh, I was like, I, I, I wasn't expect, I was expecting to be respected. So basically, uh, yeah, I was, I was hurt. I didn't, I had, I had no, um, no recollection of, of, you know, what they were going to say. And it, and it just, you know, you know, I, I, I was overwhelmed, man. So I'm just, uh, I'm just trying to figure out exactly like how, how people feel. You know what I'm saying? Because you know, they don't know, they don't know how I feel unless I say something about it. Absolutely. And that's why I didn't say something about it because I wanted to wait for someone like you to come along to be able to some fa- somebody your family, uh, uh, somebody like family to, to basically talk to about it. But um, yeah, dude, dude, that definitely uh was was chasing clout. That's all I can, that's all I can say, and everybody sees it. 
So what people don't realize is there's people who position themselves around people who are on TV or you know musicians, and they they pose as friends. And what they do is they wait for I can't an opportunity to sell their friends out. Right. And a lot of that happens. I've been sold out. We we had a conversation about me being married to somebody and having their babies. So oh, there wow. are people who position themselves in your life and pose as friends, but they're really just waiting for the opportunity to sell you out. Um, right, as, they as are. And, and I, I didn't know that that was the case. It was my first time dealing with that kind of situation. So that's another reason why I shut down because I took it as an opportunity to see uh, the snakes in my grass because you know once one thing goes up and you keep watching all these other things go up and it's just like wow that's what you really thought this whole time <laughs> right lasting what does it take a lot of people don't understand that that they think they get lazy and they feel like they no longer have to write or they don't have to stay up late at night or they don't have to rehearse for eight hours. Can well, you? your, your, your dedication, I mean, even, even I got, I'm about to go on tour in a few days, right? And I still, I, you, know, I, you know, I still have to run the routine. Somebody's last night is like, well, you know, in order to take this shit to the next level, you may need to, you may need to stay a little extra longer and run this with everybody else in case, you know, because the parts, because the parts that you may be dropping the ball on, um, social media is going to be looking at you. They're going to be looking to light your ass up and then they're going to light our ass up. So your dedication is everything. You know what I mean? You have to you have to push things into that extra gear. You just put up a good element. You said social media. Now social media wasn't really a thing first tour around, but it is huge now. Correct. What's your relationship like with social media? Because I personally have a love hate relationship with it. Um, my relationship is is uh, it's real simple. It's a bunch of cowards online talking a bunch of shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, I mean, like, what, I mean, what are we talking about? I mean, the, 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 the internet is undefeated. And it's allowed for the world to move a lot faster because we can communicate. You know what I mean? And this was this is, this is prophesied back when Nikola and Tessa were walking this earth. That's real. Right? So, um, I'm not surprised. I mean, it's all about how you deal with it. It's people have access to you if you choose to let them have access to you. It's, it's real simple. It's no big deal. It's, I, what, you, it, it's what you make of it. I love you talking about access because sometimes that's something that we all forget that you can only get what you allow in. Right. How do you stay private or how do you set your boundaries? Um, good question. How do I set my boundaries? Yeah. Um, well, I know what I'm willing to take in and what I'm not willing to take in. You know? Certain things leak certain things. So, you know, it's just like you got to be cautious what you listen to, cautious what you hear, and you also got to be cautious what you read. Hmm. You know, somebody, sent me a, somebody sent me a message. I, I'm like, I'm not reading that shit. I don't want that shit in my spirit. So that explains why you don't always check your DMs for the people who don't get returned. <laughs> I, mean, I won't write. I, mean, I won't write it like that. But you know, do you check your your private messages? I mean, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I'm human. I try to. I try to check his name because these messages essentially are for me, right? Right. So I, I definitely want to stay tapped in with that. You know. At the same time, I uh, I gotta have tunnel vision because you know, 
these things because they can be a blessing and they can be a distraction. Absolutely. Okay, so let's fast forward your dream tour, right? You have been talking about this for a while. I remember you talking about trying to get the guys back together, and here you are. You basically manifested your dreams. Not basically, I did. You manifested your dream. So, do you believe in manifestation? Yes, of course I believe in manifestation. It's very easy. We're universal beings connected to the universe. So, you know, you know, the way we were designed, the way our brain, our left and our right side, and the way our brain was designed, it's, just our, it's our instant connection to the universe. So, of course, we can manifest things. We've been manifesting things before we came to this earth. I'm so, so, so what are you manifesting for this tour? Man, I mean, the overall movement, I mean, you know, essentially, obviously, it takes quite a few people to tangle, but I, I've always been, my mom called her faith baby, and we, and people that like to follow, you know, religious content or, or context, there's a lot of truth in that, you know, like the, there's a, there's a saying like, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I like that statement. I think it's uh, Hebrews 5.11 or something like that. One thing I like about it is the fact that it's basically saying the word faith is like a substance, you know, that you like, we, we all hope for things. In other words, we have to, we have to vision things and we have desires, but we have to, we have to believe in what we can't see. And I think when we close our eyes, you know what I'm saying? And we really picture those things. We have this wild imagination and it's, it's dope according to the wills of the universe what things we can and can't manifest. So, I mean, really some of the stuff I'm manifesting for this particular tour is just, just strengthening my, my bond with my brothers. Because um, every day it gets tighter and tighter and the stuff that we talk about is so amazing and the things and opportunities that we have in front of us is just like really dope. So it's really uh, manifesting that we just get, get even uh, a stronger bond. The shows work phenomenal. No one gets hurt. You know what I mean? We all just have a really good good vibe because it's a reunion, not, not just for B2K, but for everybody. We all get to come together. It's already a lot of love out there. I mean, shout out to B5 and Pretty Ricky. They, they made some videos of our, of our routines and stuff like that. So, you know, for another group to pay homage to another one, I just think it's phenomenal. It's really dope that we're young. We're, we're kings, you know what I'm saying? And we're actually sitting on our throne. I was telling Amari yesterday, I was like, yeah, the second coming to Christ, nigga. He started laughing. <laughs> Because <laughs> we were talking about Heidi Selassie and, and, and the Kings of Kings, and then we started talking about ourselves. So, um, yeah, I mean, for the most part, manifest love, great health, uh, everybody having a great fun time. The show is going great. It's just really just like people see it for what it is. I mean, because B2K, we actually really put in the work. You know what I'm saying? We, we're not coming back all like fat and ugly and, and discombobulated. We're, we, you know, we are, we are, God preserved us. Our music sounds phenomenal. You say it's a really big stage production. You know what I'm saying? So, that's awesome. Yeah, I think that's for now. That's kind of where I'm at. So, how many cities do you have? Um, oh man, I, I, a lot. I, I don't. I've lost count. But I know we're doing. I know we're probably doing close to 55, 50, 51, 55 shows. Fifty-one, fifty-five shows. That's amazing. I'm not going gonna... to. That's nothing. Because I was in China. I was doing probably a show a day for 365 for about six years. That's amazing. You basically it, had a Las Vegas residency in China exactly, for people exactly, who don't understand. That, can I tell you this? That's exactly what I had with a full production over there. Motherfucking lights, everything. Like it was crazy. That's amazing. I'm so proud of you. What What's next? What comes after the tour? I mean, I know it's crazy to say what's next, but that's what everybody's going to ask. What 
What's next for Rasby when the tour's over? I mean, sky's the limit. I mean, I have so many projects on the media rising. I mean, from you know, from development with other with other artists, from uh, movie projects that are like really like taking off. Probably one of my biggest big baby projects would be the fact that I produced a show called Raz to Riches, and my name Rasby is Revealer of Secrets in Hebrews, and the riches are revealing the real riches in life. It could be true. It could be relationship it could be time it could be just it could be the things the basis the things that really matter and those are the things that i want to reveal it's going to take place um in china and it's going to drip back into america i'm pretty much bringing like six people over to america and i'm just you know it's really deep out me and my guy Durano fair was coming up with a new concept because he actually has one of the very first chinese artists that was on a reality tv show and she and her father is like very well off and you know he, he understood the vision when i pitched it to him so possibly Razz and Riches, which I, I tell people it's not a it's not a reality show, it's more of it's more of a network. That's my, awesome. it's, my, it's my network where I can like, you know, people come to me all the time, not for they want to be famous or this. Essentially they're looking for some kind of help. You know? Absolutely. And, and what's his name again? Is it Ferris? Duran O'Fair. Duran O'Fair. Okay. Yeah. His car, I don't have his car on me right now, but he's That's uh, okay. I just want to make sure that I, I get it right when I type it up. Yeah, he, he put out. He helped with like Jersey Shore. He's placed a hundred. He's probably probably placed like hundred and twenty shows. That's amazing. I'm yeah, really so, proud of you. Thank you, Bobby. And I thank you for waking up in the middle of the fucking morning. What is what is it like? Five four there. Five o'clock. Yes, yeah, about like five. Here. It's five o'clock in the morning. He is up doing an interview with me. Thank you, baby. I love you. I love you too. Good luck. You know what? It's so weird. Everyone that I've spoke to who is fairly successful, everybody has manifested their life, including myself. I never thought I couldn't. I was told that I couldn't, but I all, I thought they were lying to me. (laughs) You know, I thought they were lying to me. I was like, you don't know me. You don't know what I possess inside myself. (laughs) Right, 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 right. But that is the common denominator between all successful people is they believed in themselves and they manifested their reality. I have yeah, one. I tell myself, I'd be like, don't let me down. Right, right. <laughs> don't play me. <laughs> don't play me. I'll be good to you. Don't play me. I have one last question for you. Yeah. What is something that nobody ever asked you about your journey or yourself that you wish that they would? Unfortunately, I have been asked pretty much everything under the sun, uh, questions I have not wanted to answer. <laughs> um, but one thing I like to focus on more or less is that life really is a do-it-for-yourself project. That for a long time I thought that that somebody would help when I was growing up or you know, even my dad used to tell me, you, you keep staying focused, you know, stay focused and, you know, one of these successful blah, 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 black entrepreneurs will take you under that wing. And I spent a lot of time in the back of my mind thinking that a lot of the false promises, a lot of the, and we talked about earlier, Hollywood talk. So I think that my advice has always been, is again, like we just said, to believe in yourself. Um, that if it's going to happen, it will only happen at the hands of your own effort. And also, I think 
one thing we actually didn't touch on that I wanted to share is the importance of uh, how to use social media as a tool. What I'm seeing is a lot of uh, in this whole digital economy and world that we live in, it's really cut into our creativity and our concentration because now, and it's called for many people to become very depressed, they're now spending so much time focused on, you know, or comparing for that matter, their real life, someone's highlight. And social media, I see people, they can't even be where they are, meaning they've got to have their phone out, they're recording, they're showing, I mean, literally, social media has become the executive producer of our lives. Yes. And we don't know who we are anymore. So sometimes I think it is important to, you know, for me, when I pick up my phone, I'm either inspiring or taking care of this. Every now and then, I might find myself getting lost because, you know, you go on there, you're looking at this and looking at that. But, it's, it's, you know, it's very rare. Either I'm inspiring or taking care of this. And I think that we've gotten so caught up in the like before we wanted the person in front of us to like us. But now we want the world to like us. We, we need that attention. And attention is the new currency. More people want to get paid attention than they do actually uh, as it relates to getting paid these days. So that would be more of a warning. That I haven't gotten a chance to talk about much of the the damage that social media has done um, at the hands of um, the fact that social media is a machine. It's not really built for people. It's an algorithm. It's a system. There's no personal touch. It's all about us being content providers and being, um, you know, staying rather hungry and starving for attention. So, you know, the the old saying goes, R.I.P., rest in peace, and everybody dying for attention. Yes. And I've even seen with your social media. I don't even think you've posted it. Sometimes I have to go to your page like, what? She's helping people lose weight. She's inspiring. <laughs> she's Where is something? Let me go like this. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, and I can always tell when someone's a giver when you look at their page. I don't you know, have you a lot of selfies. You know, I take pictures. Everybody always says, where's the picture of you? I'm like, I don't really do that anymore. Like, I have pictures of my daughter, but I'm not sitting around taking right. selfies of myself. That's kind of weird. It, it is. And it feels. And I only do it. There are people looking for it. Yeah, they they do look for it. And lately, like people always say, why don't you comb your hair or put on makeup? And I say, because that's not who I am. You guys got used to a character. You know, this is not a character social media page. This is my social media page. So you asked for a selfie. I gave you one of what I really look like. And people are stuck. It. Thank you so much. We love her because of the fact that she's real. You are literally in the world versus her commercial. Yeah, absolutely. But Cardi's a little, she's a little bit too real for me. She's a lot wilder than I could ever imagine being. That's who she is. Yeah. Definitely. Thank you so much for your time. I know that you're busy and for you to give me your whole morning really means a lot to me. Not just professionally oh, for you. the interview, but personally, because I love you and you don't even know it. Well, I love you too. And I look forward to meeting you one day. Uh, 
uh, faith and faith. And um, let's connect very soon. And thank you for interviewing me and allowing me a platform, um, you know, in an avenue and potential genre and readers that wouldn't even know anything about me. So thank you for allowing me to spread my economic evangelism uh, further. The floor is yours, love. All right, thank you. Uh, before we started recording, you had uh, said that you asked a few people, is this guy a fashion designer? Well, <laughs> prophetically, you are correct now. I actually am a fashion designer. Love and, it. Uh, yeah, so you must have seen it before I saw it, right? <laughs> love it. I'm telling you, baby, you and those jackets. I'm a, I'm an East Coast girl. I'm from Pittsburgh, so I believe in coats and jackets and blazers, and you be killing them blazers. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so the new line is called Far Great Couture, and uh, truly excited, made history. Uh, just did a, and again, this was a very bold, strong statement that I wanted to make especially in light of the blatant disrespect uh, as relates to Gucci, mm-hmm. uh, to the black community, and still their lack of sensitivity and the BS statement that they mentioned diversity throughout, but didn't even mention that. Well, I didn't see it, and I need to read it again. But I didn't see them address the African-American community or our wounds directly. It was uh, kind of... Um, you know, those buzzwords and diversity being one of them. Um, I love what um, an associate of mine, um, who was actually, she sponsored a show I was a part of for many years, uh, Melody House and through the Aerial Capital Management Fund, who was also um, George Lucas's wife. Um, but she actually spearheaded, uh, which I was more impressed with what she did as it relates to um her outreach with Starbucks and the black community by making them shut down all of their stores and making them train the staff uh, on uh, race relations, sensitivity, how to approach the black community, how to respect our dollars. Because who we give our dollars to is who we give our power to. Mm-hmm. And on the great of our time, what's said. So we don't realize that, you know, being um, really what I call one of the top 20 richest nations in the world would really be us when we look at our buying power of over a trillion dollars. Um, so I wanted to communicate the importance when you look at the Asian community, their dollar stays in their community for 30 days. When you look at the Jewish community, um, the dollar stays in their community for 20 days, whites in general by 17, and us, six hours. So therefore, I wanted to make a bold statement. Uh, that we do luxury well. So I just did a $10 million, 460 carat diamond bejeweled jacket, which is available on Rodale Drive, uh, which also made history. It's one and within a series. Uh, so I actually became the first African-American to have a line bearing their name on Rodale. So um, I wanted to step into fashion, um, and we've got a little bit of everything. We have over about a collection, probably about, 40 pieces uh, dropping within the next few weeks. And this is actually the first interview I've done to talk about that. So it's called Far Gray Couture. And uh, people can visit, you know, Far Gray um, everywhere to, to see it on all social platforms. 
So this is major. We actually do a men's fashion review because it's a, it's a lifestyle magazine, but it started as a men's lifestyle magazine. Who do I need to get in touch with so I can get some pictures? And we do a whole fashion spread, a whole fashion review on your line. Awesome. I would love that. What I'll do is I will have either Rhonda or Chanel send you. Just shoot me the email address and I'll make sure they get all the pictures and send it over. Oh my, I'm like seriously freaking out because that was going to be my next hunt, baby, looking for, I wanted a black designer that I could do a whole preview of their summer and fall and winter collections. I will make sure to get it all to you. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Welcome to Cherry's World. No, I'm going to tell these people the real truth. You left me at home. <laughs> I was trying to hang out. You wasn't trying to hang out with me. But in the mix, I ran into D.L. Ugly. He got an interview. Courtney, thank you for getting the interview. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, as soon as I said, uh, I was like, um, like you know cherry she's like oh yeah i know cherry i was like oh, okay cool cool let me give it let me get a, uh, a shout out for from you for her so he's like yeah no problem you, you know you hear it funny dude man i, I love the he's one of the realest people i ever met it's actually my second time meeting him and that is did, so awesome i did an interview with him last year and it got so screwed up because i had that's the reason why i switched from android to iphone but it wasn't even that it wasn't even that that wasn't even the reason though but i i used the um recording device and it chopped up the whole interview so i never got a chance to to use it wow well i'm thankful you got it for us dl to me is a definite inspiration and i love that he's a black man who uses his black voice and lets people know from a black view how we feel about things and he doesn't sugarcoat it um for other people to be comfortable we've been uncomfortable for so long that I think a lot of us will sugarcoat things so we don't make waves. Yeah. And DL is like, I'm going to say it how it is. And I appreciate that. I definitely, I look up to DL. And they consider it like woke comedy. That was one of his opening acts, like said, it was like woke comedy. I didn't look at it like that, but I can kind of see where some people would say that because he touches on like subjects that a lot of people probably would. Most most comedians like him would say, nah, I'm not going to, I don't want to talk about that. He talks about everything. I love it. So so that's how Courtney ditched me, y'all. <laughs> I went upstairs to get dressed, you yeah. know what I'm saying, in the hotel. Courtney was like, yeah, 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 we're going to come get you. And <laughs> they just went on to the comedy show and forgot about it. You know how these things go, Cherry. You got to, hey, you can't, we ain't got time for you to get dressed up and stuff. Sometimes you just got to roll out. <laughs> I just want to put some water on my hair. You know what I'm saying? Wash my underarms a little bit. You know I'm using natural deodorant now. Right, right. <laughs> no, I'm just playing, but I, re I really, really appreciate the interview. This is Cherry's World. First of all, I saw what you did after the show was over, and you tipped everybody out there. I've been here 20 times. I've never seen anybody do that. And the look on those people's faces... That's the real. That's one of the realest oh, things, man, that's, that's bro. That's one of the realest things. Nah, that's just people that they took good care of. They took good care of y'all. No complaints. Everybody had a good time. I mean, and you so down to earth, man. Because even in your jokes, 
you say jokes that ordinary people just can relate to. And it's just a, it's just amazing like how as big as you are, you done performed in 400 people to 4,000 to 40,000, and you just can relate to everybody. I'm just, you're the voice of the culture, man. Well, you know what's funny? When people say stuff like that, I'm honored. But I really try to make sure that my voice is clear because I think if you're who you are, yeah. then human being, one human being to another, and your humanity shines through, hopefully people can connect to that. But I, I love what I do, and I, I really love people. I love our people. I, I, I love too, man. And by our people, I mean human beings. And I think that if you're human, I'm going to fuck with you. Yeah, no doubt. Now, I was listening to the radio. Cheryl Underwood came on Steve Harvey yeah. the show. And she was talking about the uh, Jefferson's Parker's right. thing. She said the perfect person, and Jamie did his thing, but the perfect person to play George Jefferson would be you. Well, that, well Jamie's a much better actor. He looked like him, yeah. but you can actually... Yeah, well, that's because we had... <laughs> The same experience, but I, you know what I, I took away from that. I watched it, yeah. And it's sad that they could have conversations back then, yeah, man. That we can't have now at all. It says a lot about how we devolved. Yeah, we weren't, we weren't as rocked by words, right? Because we looked at the intent, right? And so I think that show showed exactly how far we have fallen back. Yeah. Not by what we don't say, mm -hmm. uh, by what we do say, but what we don't. Right. I don't think it's just the words. I just think our intent is different. Yeah. Congratulations on the new show, man. Thank you, man. We were just at my wife's auntie. She watches it every night. I got a DVR, but Thank I follow you, your social media. Thank you. And I see all the clips, and it's like, man, you know, it, it, the stuff you're doing, man. You, like I said, you're the voice of What's it like? I know you said you, you called it the D.L. Hughley show because yeah. they canceled it. They go, right, they, <laughs> yeah, right. But they bring somebody else on. Call me <laughs> I, I, I just love what I do, and I think I'm, I'm blessed to be in a position where I am... Uh, uh, I've been given these opportunities, and I don't take them lightly. And I understand. We need um, it too. That, that you know, because when people say stuff like I, I can't say that, but I can say this: I'm blessed to be in a position yeah. where I get to say exactly what I mean mm -hmm. and and be as clear as possible. Yeah. And I'm not really necessarily all that afraid of the repercussions. No doubt, you're like one of the few people that ain't. Now, now you know. Last time I talked with you, Trump had just did some stuff. But now, what do you think about this? This, 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 this I can't believe this Mueller report that came out. I can't even watch the. I can't watch CNN well, and Fox News. Most though. people haven't read the report. Okay. And either he's guilty of obstruction, either he's guilty of a crime, yeah. or we should change what guilt means. Right. And I think that shows a lot about people that they're willing to vacillate and move back and forth between them more mm -hmm. and what they believe and what they don't. Listen. I, I love Barack Obama, but if he had done what Trump would, had done, I wouldn't care what anybody thought or what I thought. I would think that was wrong, and I would say something. About yeah, it. yeah, yeah. I think that people are willing to move their their idiot their their, their edge for convenience, and yeah. I think it's a shame. And I think it's really just it really just shows how cowardly we are. Oh yeah, as a society. That's real stuff. Because all that says, well, the economy's doing good, so that means you. are that is uh, literally uh, the, the love of money, mm -hmm. and I think I think that epitomizes where we are as a society that we're so right. concerned about the financial gains that we look the other way when other things are happening. It's true. Uh, I saw you on your social media that your uh, 
passion is your tattoos. That's like your getaway. How many tats you got? Oh, I don't know. A lot. Yeah. Well, I just had to get them redone. Okay. You know, because they fade, you know, like, yeah, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. like memories. Right. Yeah, right. Um, but I, but I, but I, I, uh, I dig the cat who does them. Yeah. Big Steve. And I dig, um, the best, um, tattoo I can say I ever got was one to my father. Right. And, uh, it was the perfect experience because it was enough pain. My father, my tattoo of my father reminds me of my relationship with him. It's pain and permanence. Like, I'll never forget right. what he meant to me. And I'll necessarily, not necessarily forget how painful it was, but they all kind of come together and, 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 and are something I, that's impactful and I'll never forget. Uh, but last question. I love how you comedians, real comedians, can can use something that you're going through and make it a joke and use it to inspire the people. One of your brothers, Def Jam brothers, I uh, listen to him, J. Anthony Brown. I love Jay. And he's going going through leukemia. Yeah. Uh, you see, do you see how he's how he's fighting that? And what do you? I just want to know what you think about. Cause they just. I think that that comedy is pain. Yeah. Like, like, like comedy and tragedy are the same thing. Yeah. And uh, uh, the saddest thing about Jay to me is he never got, and I see he's still here now. And, I, and obviously, I think he, yeah. he's doing well. He's going. I'm sure he's going to beat this thing. But I think that sometimes we don't appreciate people yeah. when we hear them every day or see them every day. Mm -hmm. And and we have to have something like this to remind us how. Uh, solid they are and how important they are. Yeah. But comedy is really just that. Mm -hmm. I remember the whole time my father was dying, I, I never forgot that I was his son, and I yeah. also never forgot that I was his, a comedian. Yeah. So it was it was the most weird confluence of two things collided at one time, and I think that that's just kind of what happens to to artists and particularly comedians. I just want to pay you a compliment too because your opening acts. I just think that shows a lot about how secure the artist is, the comedian is, for have a, a two, three dope opening acts like that. Yeah, but they're all fired now. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never see them niggas again. <laughs> yes, you will. Thank, Thank you, you sir. Good I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Welcome to Cherry's World.